Pastor Mike McCoy, welcoming you to the Time of Truth. My text tonight is going to come out of Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 45. And this is elementary preaching right here. But the Lord knew he was speaking to little children most of the time, so he made it elementary for us. So Mark chapter 6, I hope I said Mark, I did it already. Mark chapter 6 and verse number 45, if you found that, shout amen. Amen. And straightway, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida. While he sent the people away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. Passed by them. But when they saw him walking up on the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Father, I love you. And I thank you for this night. And for these that have come to the house of God. And I've come to glorify my king. And all I say and do, I'm nothing on my own. I'm trusting in you to fill my mouth and guard my tongue. Preach me with accuracy inside the holy writ. I'm praying if there'll be a lost soul in this house tonight, they'd find you as Lord and Savior before they leave. I've come to exalt you above all things. When I don't understand God, you do. When I can't walk, Lord, you can. So we're trusting you to help us here again tonight. I love you and I praise you. One of these days I'm coming home where you are. I thank you for that promise. I ask it tonight, all of these things, in the king's name, Jesus, I pray, amen, and amen. Now, every preacher in this room and everyone that's ever stood behind the desk and everyone that's ever opened this Bible has preached on storms, I want to preach tonight on this thought, struggling in the storm. When I was studying on this last week and God gave me three little things and I jotted them down, I had no idea what I was going to be facing in the next week. But God knew 
How many knows God's way ahead of you tonight? God's already there. God's where I, I'm going where he is, but I couldn't go far, as far back as he's been. He's God. He's from everlasting to everlasting, and that's above my pay grade, and I don't understand that. I just believe. I believe every word, every jot, and every tittle in this old book, and you never talk me out of it, I'll die believing it, Brother John. You can't, can't convince me otherwise. The Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and therefore, when the Spirit of God indwells you and abides with you, you understand who you are and how you got there. But that's not to say that trouble's not on your horizon. Now, I'm going to try to illustrate this through this, my little story tonight with the tragedy in our family, but out of this particular passage of Scripture, and I, I had no idea this is where it was going, but I want you to notice some things here quickly, that one, Jesus constrained them to get into the ship. Now, water in the Bible, is, it, it, it typifies three things. Water, water that you walk through, pass through, sail up on is a picture of the world. It typifies the world. So when you're reading these things and you see that you're up on it, they're sailing a ship across it, or they're going through it, it is representative of the world in our spiritual life. So here we have them. He has constrained them to get into the ship. And he gives them a destination. You're going to the other side. Now, for those that don't know water, the other two types of water in the Bible, any water you see them drinking is representative of the Spirit. And any water you see them washing with typifies the Word of God. Washing by the water of the Word. Jesus said, come unto me, if you thirst, I'll give you a drink. Speaking of that drinking water, the Spirit of God. And he constrains them to get into the ship. He does not, at this particular place, when they, when they depart on their journey, he doesn't get in the ship with them. Now what we see here typified is this. We see Christ putting them in a ship. I've preached it for years. Ship being the faith, the, the vessel that we sail in is, is faith. Upon the waters of this world and we, we're going out and Jesus sends us out. But he goes to another place. Now this is a picture they didn't know it at this time, but this is a picture of what's going to happen after the resurrection of Christ and the ascension of the Lord into heaven. He's going to do this. They're going to see him, and he's going to send them. But he's going to ascend into a higher place. And as they're sailing across this ship, on this, in this ship, on this water, he sent another multitude away. That's a message in itself. But he's going to an elevated place to pray.
Then he has not gone far. And the, the Sea of Galilee is not that large. But they've been rowing for some time. We see the rowing here representing human effort. Your effort upon your own, you can't get to where Jesus wants you to be on your own accord. You cannot do it. The tolling here in rowing, they are working themselves to a frazzle. They're working hard, but they're not going to make the destination on their own. They can't get there. Why? Because the wind, Brother Paul, is contrary to them. How many of you Bible students know who the prince and the power of the air is? The devil, A plus class. He's the prince and the power of the air. Someone, people blame bad things, Brother Jason, on the Lord. Why did God let this happen? Well, you're in a sin-cursed world and bad things are going to happen to you. You're even going to die one of these days. But he's wanting them to know who it is that sent them on the journey and how they're going to get there. And the, the devil is contrary against them making their destination. That's where we're at today. Do you understand that? Do you understand that when I would do good, evil is present? Do you understand that the more good you try to do, the harder it seems to be? Do you know that when you feel like you're doing your least, you're probably doing your most? That when the devil comes against you, listen, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. He's only bucking me because he's on the losing side and I'm on the winning side, praise God. Hey, that's what the devil does. He comes against you every day. Now, I'll not give him any glory for the tactics he uses and the tools that he has, but he has a large war chest. But what I want us to know it, when they failed in their human effort, they saw Christ. When they had done all they could do and they wasn't going to reach their destination, Jesus showed up. Right in the darkest time of the night, when you don't think that there's any light at the end of the tunnel and the ship's going down, take it from somebody that can tell you, the master comes walking by, praise God. You can count on him every time. So my three little things. Number one, he brings you to it. What? That storm. It was Christ that sent them there. And Jesus knew before the storm arose that in their own effort they couldn't get to where they were going. But he brought them to it. I wonder sometimes why he brings people to the things that he brings them to. There's broken families and broken homes Sick people and dying people, people with cancer, people that don't think they got a thing wrong with them, and they'll go to a doctor in a few weeks and find out they 
got something wrong with them. And there's just something always on the horizon out there. But you know what? Jesus is making intercession for us. Just a picture of what he was here. He was up in the high place praying. He's got his eyes on them down there in the storm. He knows where they're at and what they're trying to do. He knows that in their own, in their own ability, they are inept and unable. He sent them out there. He brought them to that thing. Why would he bring them to that? He'll bring you to it. Watch this, Randy. That he can keep you through it. He brings you to it. That he can keep you through it. Because you can't keep yourself through it. You're, listen, every effort you put forth will fail. You will fail in yourself. You are unable to do it without him. Mike Blanton, my good friend, has said, I've heard him say this many times, I'd rather have friends than money. I've learned, I've learned that in the last few days. But he wants to keep you through what he's brought you to. Why? Why would he do that, Jimmy? Because if he doesn't do that, you think you've done it. And when I was on my face crying out to God, I've cried for three days. I've, I've started crying Monday morning and I've hardly quit. And when I'm crying out to God the other night, John, here's, you know what, you know what come to my mind? He, here's what he said. In the word of God, the word of God, is, it, that's the word of God. You know what he said to me, Randy? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Where were you at? I said, well, I wasn't nowhere around. He said, exactly. Well, I don't like it and I don't understand it. I didn't ask your permission. He's God and we're not. Acts 17 and 28, church. We live and move and have our being. I got up this morning because the God of heaven allowed me to put my foot on the floor. And he put a breath of life in me and he allowed me to be on my way. And I know what some of you are thinking in this room, yeah, but your brother's dead. I'm satisfied, Jerry. If he brought me to it, he'll keep me through it. And watch this. Watch this. And you know what he'll do? He'll help me do it. He'll help me do it. God doesn't do it for you. God doesn't do it for you. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. What does he do? He strengthens me. He enables me. I can't do it on my own. He enables me. You Listen, lost friend, if you're here tonight and you think you're doing anything on your own, it's by the grace of God he's kept the devil from killing you and dragging you off to hell right years past. 
but he can't do what God, he only can do what God permits. But it's the power. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. So he doesn't just bring us to it and keep us through it. He enables us to do it. What is he going to enable us to do? I don't know. Anything that comes my way was the words I was going to use, but all things works. Anything that comes my way, if I'm trusting him, he's going to help me do it. I'm going to share something with you. Three o'clock Monday morning, when my phone starts ringing after 10 o'clock at night, my heart comes up in my throat. And normally, I think it's one of you. <laughs> Wasn't that long ago, Cora called me yelling, pray, pray, pray on the other end. Perry's had a heart attack. He's at the hospital. He's in a bad shape. We buried him about three days later. The phone rings. It's John Hall. Brother John, the fireman. Been coming to church. John Hall says, Mike, it not Trent your brother? I said, he sure is. He said, Mike, his house is on fire and it's all but gone. I said, John, what vehicles are in the driveway? And he told me. And I knew he was home. I said, John, you're going to have to let me wake up, but I'll be there as soon as I can get here. He said, he said there's no hurry. The house is gone. I got in my clothes. I made sure my coveralls was in there because it's extremely cold. When I get to heaven, if I could ask God one question, I'm going to ask him what benefit there is to cold. Amen. There's not a strong enough adjective for me to describe how I feel about cold. It's killed more people than the heat. I'm backing out of my driveway, and Mike Rimmer, here's what's on my lips. Because I'd been ringing that phone off the wall. Well, out of I'm calling that number and there's no answer. I'm calling that number and there's no answer. And I'm yelling at the phone, boy, you picked that phone up. Trent, pick up your phone, boy. I'm backing out of the driveway, John, and I'm saying, where is the God of Elijah? You remember what Elisha said when he came to the water and his hero had been taken away from him? 
the one that he loved, the one that he loved and he adored, the very one he wanted to be with all the time. And Elijah is taken up and Elisha comes and smacks. He said, where's the God of Elijah? And the water parted. God said, I'm right here. There's no answer, Jimmy. And I know in my soul what that means. And I get there and the road's blocked. It's, it's slippery. There's ice all over everything. Did I tell you that I detest the cold? John fell in the road. He come walking up to me. And he embraced me, hugged me. He said, that's the hardest phone call of all the years I've done this. He said, I just made the hardest call I've ever made in my life tonight. He said, I didn't want to call you, preacher. I said, you find anybody? He said, yeah. We found them. It's a long story why all of them was in that one little house. But they were trying to build a house or fix up a, a garage for Chris and it was uninsulated and the heat wasn't on so they were all in the Trent's house and there should have been four more in that house but there was only six I said have you found ten people he said no and we found six I said you should have found ten he said there's not there's not. I said there's Chris got six youngins. He said, we've only got six, Mike. We stood there for a long time. Jude showed up. What a man. What a man. He showed up. Hannah was with him. They show up and they pretty much tell us to leave. There's nothing you can do. So I get in my truck, gave my, and I back way up the road to turn around there, and I turn around, and I, I start back home. And I, listen, listen, I appreciate all the cards, the calls, the text, all these things. I've not responded to all of them because there's too many. But I appreciate everyone. And I get home and, 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 and a lot of things transpired that day, Dennis. You were there. You and the deacons come and brought us some things. And we had a lot of people in and out of the house that day. And I, I thank you for every pot of soup and every, every piece of bread. And, and I was so exhausted by the time that night was over. I couldn't even think. I, I, I couldn't think. And I just, I just, when I finally got in the bed, Roland, I died. I was just out. Now stay with me. I'm talking about struggling in the storm. And, and 
I woke up the next morning to... My mind is just, just, just a racetrack. Pat trying to get ready for work. And she goes off to work now, I'm alone. You need to understand what a relationship I had with my little brother. My wife told someone I overheard her conversation. She said, I never heard them argue. And I never heard Trent say anything bad about Mike or Mike say anything about Trent. They loved each other. And, and we talked every day just like I do with my son. If, if it wasn't every day, it was every other day. And it generally, it generally involved this. Hey, the moon phase is coming up. Uh, can we go, you, you want to go to the river one day next week? <clears throat> We'd been fishing on Tuesday. And now the enemy shows up and I'm toiling and rowing. My human effort has carried me as far as I can go. And I can't go no more. And I've got a morning routine that I follow. This, if I'm at home, Dennis, this is how it happens every day. I wake up at 5.30. You don't have to set the alarm. I'll just wake up. I watch about 30 minutes of news. Pat's getting up to take a shower. I get up and go make a pot of coffee. Come back, make up the bed. Go back, get her a cup of coffee, bring it to her. I go back, I set my coffee down my three Tootsie Rolls and the Word of God every day, every day. Now the day prior to this, all of that had collapsed on me and I didn't get to do none of it. And I sat down and I'm going to tell you Mike Remmer, I just a little bit been out of shape. I was a little bitter. I know none of you good Christians ever got upset when things don't go your way but the preacher does. I'm reading through the psalm in my daily Bible reading and I come to the verse that said, Thou hast turned my morning into dancing. And I said, God, that's what I want. You turned my morning into dancing. How are you going to do that now? After I read my Bible, eat my tootsie rolls and drink two or three cups of coffee, my next venture is normally I sit down at the piano and sing a song for the Lord. It don't matter how bad I play or sing, there's no one there but God and myself, and He don't care as long as I make a joyful noise. I didn't play that morning. I didn't pick up my old guitar and strum it and hum a song. I didn't do those things. I left from my table and my reading, I went into the prayer room. And I said, God, I'm just really struggling right here. For the life of me, if you're going to take that boy 
for the life of me, and I called him a boy all his life. He's my little brother. He always said, that's my older brother. That's how he introduced me. That's my older brother. If you're going to take that boy, why in the name of heaven did you do it in a fire? You could have let him, got hit by a bus, fell out of the boat. There's a million ways he could have died that surely would have been better than the fire. And not only him, God, there's Karen and there's Chris who had finally got his feet on the ground and was working every day with his daddy for the last two years. And his wife, who had just gotten saved this year, and Mark baptized her. And of all things, them two little babies, God, I'm just not getting this right now. A three-year-old and a two-year-old. And I don't like it. And I don't like it. I don't have nobody to fish with anymore. I think I'd just sell my boat. I don't like it. I don't get to hear him brag about them two grandkids. He said, when, he said I'm going to tell you, when Melissa got pregnant with that last child and they already had five, he, told my, he said, I told Chris, he said, I'm going to cut your throat and throw your head off down in the pond. Stopping that baby machine. Fishing. Tuesday. He said, I can't imagine living without her. He said, everywhere I go, it's Paul, Paul. Paul, Paul, I'll be on the phone. Who that? Who that? That's Uncle Mike. I'm not getting it, Jason. Here's what the Lord gave me. Did you know that death itself is not evil? Death is the last enemy. But death, death in itself is not evil. Now, it is this. It's the entryway to one place or the other. But for the child of God, but for the child of God, but for the child of God, death is not going to be that bad. Now the way we leave may be bad, and I was really struggling with that until the Holy Ghost showed up and helped me out. He helped me out. He, <laughs> he helped me out. I said, God, I'm not getting it. I can't imagine my little brother and his family they're dying in a house fire, God. I can't imagine it. And the Holy Ghost spoke to my soul. He said, 
I am God and I change not. I am the Lord and I change not. And I'm no respecter of person. I'm Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today and forever. And you remember in Daniel chapter number three, he said there's three of my boys in a fiery furnace and it looked like it was over for them. He said, but I stepped in there and I was in the fire. He said, hey, child of mine, I'm still in the fire. Now I'm satisfied. And the more reports I get from the ELME, the more it's confirming this. I'm satisfied that they never burned to death. They never burned to death. You know what happens when a Christian takes their last breath here? They get their next breath there. He took their breath away. I believe the Lord showed up. If he didn't, he's a respecter of persons. And he said, I can't respect persons. He had to show up. He had to show up. That book's true. And he said, I'm still the same God. And I'm not changing. And I was in the fire once. And bless God, he's still in the fire. Brother Dave Mitchell, I'm satisfied. When that breath went out of them, there's another breath from a holy land breathed into them. They closed their eyes in that place. And they opened their eyes in another place. In that place we call glory, the land we call Beulah, the place of the married, the redeemed of God, the saints of the Lord. Today's my daddy's birthday. Dad would have been 83 years old today, sure, you know, right? 83. Here's what the Lord spoke to my heart. I let your brother spend his birthday with your daddy today. Now, how sad are you? I might be jealous. And I'm going to miss him like a pocket on a shirt. It's never going to be the same without him. But God gave him a prize, brother. I wouldn't have chose that way to leave. But he had said out of his own mouth, he said, I hope to the Lord I don't get cancer and have to lay around and suffer for a long time before I go to heaven. Because we watch mama do that and it's a bad way to die. I thought, brother, you didn't do that. It might have been some minutes of fear and power. I don't know. I don't know what transpired right there. But you'll never convince me in a thousand years that God didn't show up and take care of them, all six of them right there and carry them off to glory, praise God. And you, you, don't try to talk me out of it because that's how it works according to that book. And I believe that book, I'm going to die with that book right there. You die with what you want to, I'm dying with that book. That book's proved itself from the start to the finish. He ain't missed it in 6,000 years. He's not going to start missing it now. 
He's prepared a way for us to go into heaven by the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. Here's my thought. He watched his son suffer for six hours on, uh, on Calvary. And long before that, they beat the stuffings out of him the night before. So he suffered for about a 12-hour period thereabout. At least nine or ten hours of suffering. Scourging, beaten, piercing. I mean, mashed down, pressed over his, all his bones out of joint. I'm going to tell you, God's been merciful. It don't matter how he takes us out of this world. If you're that child of God, you're just like them boys in that storm. You're getting to the other side. I don't believe all that stuff, preacher. That's why you're lost. Because you don't know, but you could know. You could know. You could know. He brings us to it. He keeps us through it. And he helps us do it. He helps us leave. He helps us leave. You don't think you're leaving, but you're leaving. You're leaving. You don't think you are. Somebody said, I can't believe he died. I said, I'm not even shocked. It's appointed unto man wants to die. I'm not going to tell all this at the funeral. Kara's been a godsend to us. She's worked diligently with them too. But you know why she could do that? You know why Kara could do that? Because she'd been through the storm herself. She was practiced at it. She'd seen tragedy and seen God bring the ashes up. And when the world said no and the devil said they're going to die, she, I've watched, uh, I remember in camp, when we held that baby up right here, all them hoses and cords and all that stuff in Brooks, and I'm telling you, watch him today. So people's called me from Mississippi to Michigan wanting to do something. I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Literally, people in Michigan, people in Mississippi, and most states in between have called me wanting to do something. We sat down to the funeral home the other morning and Jude's just, he's saying, Brother Uncle Mike, I don't know how, how in the world are we going to pay for all I don't know how we're going to do all this. I said, son, if you'll trust him, you just trust him. No, and here's what I'm telling you to do, son. Don't even worry about it. Just don't worry. Karen called me from Bilbrey's this afternoon crying on the other end. She said, Brother Mike, she said, I want to tell you something. said that the balance at Bilbrey's for the funeral is zero. You tell me he's not in the Jude has a little house. I'm not throwing down on him. He just don't have a big house. He's got three kids already. He's got five. Two don't live with him. Three do. 
Where are we going to put four more children? I said, son, I don't know how it's going to do it. God's going to do it somehow. Kara called me this afternoon. She said, Uncle Mike, I got to tell you. She said, there's a bunch of contractors got together. And they said, they're going to add on to his house. And Cumberland Components is going to donate all the material. It ain't going to cost them a dime. Hallelujah! I tell you who that is. That's the God in the storm. That's who that is. You quit toiling in the rowing and you just watch God do what he does. If he's never brought them to that, he can't keep them through it. And he certainly can't help them do it. So somebody said, what are you going to do? Said, there's people making donations up there to... And by the way, they don't need more food or clothes right now. They will in the future, but not right now. They've got more than they can deal with right now. So wait about three or four months, call them up and say, hey, now you need something? That'd be a good idea. Brother Randy, somebody, somebody said, well, people sending, I mean, these people are sending money up from all over the United States. I said, what are you going to do? I said, you know what? They don't have nothing to drive. He's got a work truck that hauls two people and they got an old wore out Tahoe. You know what I believe? I believe God's going to buy them something to drive. And don't you get upset about it. You want to go through what they've gone through to get what God's doing for them, friend? You just pray God send the storm your way. But other than that, other than that, just don't say nothing about it. And I'm going to go on record saying Mike McCoy's hand's not on none of the money. There ain't nothing coming my way. Ain't nothing coming to this church. There ain't nothing coming. In. It's all going into our account, and it's for the McCoy fund, and it's going to them and them youngins. You in a storm, play for it. Won't you stand to your feet with me? If you're here tonight, you're unsaved. I'm telling you, you're in a storm that you don't even know you're a part of. And the ship's going to crash and it's going down. And if you need help from the Lord, you can have it. The Bible said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You can't save yourself. Your grandpa can't save you. The Baptists can't save you. The Pentecostals can't. Christ can. He come to seek and to save that which was lost. You may have something, you may be struggling in, in, in a place you never thought you'd be before and you're there tonight and you need to come call on the Lord. Maybe you just need to come 
and say, Lord, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I yelled and cried and begged God for an hour and a half at the house. The market felt like a thousand pounds is lifted off me. And I thought, praise God, he's already took this thing away. Now I come back. But you know, every time I go and I do that, you know what it does, Roland? He lifts it up. Wade Stover has requested me to preach a certain message at places that he's been and I've been in meeting. He'll say, are you going to preach cast thy burden? The first time he heard me preach that, I think I was in North Carolina and he drove all the way, he and Becky drove all the way over to be in the meeting that night at Gary Lewis's church. I'm pretty sure cast thy burdens first time I preached over there. But you know what I've learned to do this week? I can preach that better now. You know what I've had to do, Dave? I had to literally bring, I watched my mama die and my daddy and all the grandparents and, and I've been with a lot of your family and I've watched my people, I've buried a lot of people out of this church dear to me. Dear to me. But I ain't never lost six at one time. Bob Taze, I couldn't comprehend that. My mind, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't get my mind around that. And every time I get to crying and calling out to God, He just comes by and helps me. But God cast it on. Pastor Mike McCoy, thanking you for joining us at the Time of Truth.